Welcome back to Gateway to Anime. How are you all? What's going on, Charlie? How are you? I'm good. I am shrouded with mystery and I am going to do some investigating. <laughs> Sorry, this is the worst introduction to stinker, what we're about to do. Dude. <laughs> uh, Graham, how are you? Hopefully better than that. I'm searching for clues oh, in Jesus. a crime scene of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in case that wasn't enough information for you, we are, of course, talking about detective anime shows. Now, this is quite a large genre, a surprisingly large one. Now, it's funny when we go through a lot of these, like, as I've said, we've been through the samurai and we've been through the ninja ones. And again, we're kind of like, oh, not as many of these as we kind of thought. Obviously, a lot in Japanese media in, entirely, but not so much in respect to anime and manga. But, almost on manga, not so much in anime. However, the detective cup runneth over in anime and manga, and it's actually in more places than you think. So I'll just give a quick little background here. So basically, of course, Americans created the detective genre. We all know this film noir, the 1920s, you know, the, the classic, she walked in, legs up to her ears. She had legs up you know? to her yeah. armpits. <laughs> the classic, you know. The kind of legs that were for walking. Yeah. <laughs> that but that's not what they did. Like, yeah, just that classic genre, of course. And naturally, like most things with Japan and America, uh, there was a big crossover. Of course, post-World War II, it got even more so with the intertwining of the cultures, but we'll get to that later. So the detective fiction genre spread widely after the 20s, when it sort of got picked up by Japan. But in Japan, they created the genre somewhat new. So they called it Tantai Shosetsu, which means detective fiction, and later became known as Suri Sosetsu, which is deductive reasoning fiction, which is kind of the genre. This is more in novels and films back then, but uh, this can be applied to anime and all these things you can hear me talk about. You will start understanding once you start talking about the animes. They changed a little bit in respect to the Japan, obviously did it Japan's way. So yeah, it's very heavily influenced by the US, but we're talking a little bit more sci-fi, a little bit more erotic, a little bit more experimental when Japan started doing it. Then there was Edogawa Rampo, who was the first Japanese modern mystery writer and the founder of the Detective Story Club in Japan. That's right, there's a club. Sounds like a cool bunch of guys. Rampo greatly admired Western mystery writers and gained fame in the early 20s when he began incorporating more fantastical, bizarre, and erotic elements into the typical Western detective story. He became synonymous with Honkaku, which means orthodox, standard, or authentic school of detective fiction. So this is the early days, the earliest days of detective fiction in Japan. But in 1957, post-World War II, we got Seicho Matsumoto, who received the Mystery Writers of Japan Award for his short story, The Face. This and Matsumoto's preceding work began the social school, Shakaiha, of the genre, which emphasized social realism, describing crimes in ordinary settings, and set motives within a wider context of social injustice and political corruption. So it actually kind of went away from the fantastical and more into the realistic. Kind of went backwards in a weird way, but for Japan it was going forwards. It was kind of a reverse of what the West was doing, which is pretty common. But in the 80s, we see the rise of the new orthodox school, Shin Hokankuha, and it features the restoration of the classic rules of detective fiction and the use of more self-reflective elements. Now, this is where it gets interesting in respect to the shows that we'll be talking about because one of the big things that became much more cerebral, much more psychological, and slightly more fantastical again, which pretty much all of the shows we're talking about deal with. So there are, of course, the hard-boiled detectives, but generally in Japan, and we'll talk about these, there's a real twist. Like, I won't dive into this one too much, but there is a show called No Guns Life, 
which is probably the most noir of many of the detective animes I've ever watched. But the guy has a gun for a head. That's right. Classic anime. So, but it's actually, it's very noir. It's the most noir one I've probably ever seen in respect to all the, all the genre tropes, all the things. It's very much, he's wearing the big trench coat and whatever. It's just that in that world, people get cybernetically enhanced uh, with weapons and he just happens to be a gunhead. It's a whole thing. We won't talk about that too much, but actually quite a good show. Could probably check it out. But, Graham. Yes. Why don't you start us off with a bit of an old school one in comparison to the ones that we're talking about. It's not, you know, it's not 1920s old. It's old, but it's probably more relevant than a lot of these shows. Well, it's unbelievably influential. Yeah. And it's one of the most influential. It's not the original movie. No, no. But. Because we talked the movie to death at this point. One must if you talk about anime. But Graham, why don't you talk to us about your show? It's it's probably loosely detective. It's it's a mixture of cyberpunk, sci-fi, body horror type stuff. So I'm going to be talking about Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Hey all. I think probably most of the, well, this is a game of anime, so maybe not, but I think most people are familiar with the original movie. It came out in 89? Yeah, around then. then. Like, yeah, late 80s. It's been around a while. So Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex is follow-up series to that. It was produced by Production IG, Correct. who did the movie as well. If you don't know that name, they did Haiku and Cooley Cooley. Yep. Bunch of other stuff. Standalone Complex was written and directed by Kenji Kamiyama, but it also brought back the original manga author to the production, who is uh, Masumi Shiro. It follows the major and also the other people that are in Section 9. I'll read you the synopsis because... I went back through and watched all the videos and stuff, and I didn't know what the hell it was about. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this at all. In the not-so-distant future, mankind has advanced to a state where complete body transplants from flesh to machine is possible. This allows for great increases in both physical and cybernetic prowess and blurring the lines between two worlds. However, criminals can also make full use of such technology, leading to new and sometimes very dangerous criminals. In response to such innovation, new methods and new crimes, the Japanese government has established Section 9, an independent operating police unit to deal with these crimes. And that's basically the plot. It does stay quite close to the movie. It's about people being hacked and the nature of, you know, individuality, the blurring of lines between people and machines, terrorism. Like, it's it's a huge series. Very it's existential. Fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not just a straight-up detective show, mm. as most of these other things are. It, it does lean into like the nature of humanity a lot. You're basically just tracking down cyber criminals and sort of exploring what it means to be human, mm. pretty much. Very Blade Runner-esque. Yeah, yeah. It's very Blade Runner or cyberpunk, I guess we got to throw in there now. Yep. Like well, a lot of, lot of cross streams and that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Do you think there's a difference between genres that are like detective and police work like you think they're different inherently so if you've got like a Sherlock Holmes as a private detective or you have like a bureau of detectives in an FBI are they somewhat different or do you think that it's kind of evolved to be the style more than like what it literally is about it's a good question yeah. I mean is is law and order a detective show technically yes but it's also a cop show yeah it's a cop show but they're, detect- they're detectives no yeah is there lawyers in that as well lawyers as well it's Two sides. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Law and order. See, I would say that like um, Scandinavian noir, like Scandi, those kind of yeah, shows yeah. are often following police, but are very much more noir, and very, very cerebral, much more detective yeah. kind of yeah. genre. It is yeah, interesting. It's, a good, it's an interesting differentiation point. You look at something like The Shield or something or NYPD Blue, 
any of those real cop shows, which are cop shows, but most of the characters are detectives trying to solve crimes, but it's not that like cat and mouse game, right? Which most yeah. detective, I think it's pretty emblematic of, well, the one that I'm talking about and the one that you're talking about, very much cat and mouse, cerebral nemesis conflicts. Still building with cops though in mine. Yep, mine too. Well, some of them, there's like some cops. But yeah, it's, it's, it is very interesting because... Yeah. But the uh, private uh, detective is a little bit different. The private you know? detective is different, You have that kind of ragtag yes. sort of like often played, you know, they're, they're out of money and they've got the a misfit. Like, yeah, mm. misfit detective. they got a divorced wife. Yes. Yeah. They've, they've been through shit. They're yeah. usually a war veteran or something. And there's a lot of shows like that in anime as well that have like misfit te- teams of private detectives or like, you know, people that take it on in their spare time. Uh, there's also in America, like obviously like Veronica Mars. Yes, there's like a team. True, uh, true, Nancy true. Drew. Yeah, classic, you know, like, classic. The babysitter's Club. <laughs> they? No. Club. Never read it. They investigated some stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. Nice, nice. yeah. Enid Blyton's, uh, you know, yeah. got some stuff. Absolutely. Fantastic Apple? Five. Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. The, uh, yeah, Inspector Gadget. Oh, yes. Bob. Inspector's in the name. Bob He's a cop, though. Hoskins He's and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Absolutely. That yeah. is a classic noir film. That is a classic it's a noir. Straight yeah. up noir film. Like, yeah. We see this all the time. Blade Runner, obviously. Yeah. Like, there are so many, and yeah, but anime is no different, and it's it's all over the place. But yeah, like I say, the the three that we're talking about, the two, that, they're all fantasy sci-fi. All fantasy sci-fi. Yeah, and even No Guns Life, which we mentioned before, full sci-fi, you know, like futuristic. I'll jump on this one quickly because I can't. We can't talk about this without actually bringing up this manga anime, and uh, not one that I've ever really seen because it always seemed very kiddie to me. But is the third highest selling manga of all time? Behind only one piece, and we bring it up again, Golgo 13, which no one seems to know a fucking thing <laughs> about. It is the second most we should, sold we need to read it. manga of yeah. all time, and I have no fucking clue. I remember, I read the synopsis out when we looked it up and we brought this up like last time. We're all like, that sounds sick. Never heard of it. I don't even, you know, on, no one talks about it online. No one knows a damn thing. I guess it's just one of those things that was big in Japan. But is it, is it just being raped because it's a generational thing? It's been around it is that older. long. It's like the Beano in the UK has been around since the 40s. Yeah, maybe. And it's just old people that ruin it. I guess, but I, I, we need to look. We're going to we'll do a Golgo 13 episode. We have sorry. to. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to because have to. I just I'm going to put my to. detective hat on and yeah. I'm going to research. You are killing me. You are killing me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I'm doing. Jesus. All right, but no, we are going to talk about it quickly. I'm just going to bring it up. Detective Conan. Okay. Yes, of course. So, a Japanese detective series written and illustrated by Gosho Aoyama. It's been serialized in Weekly Shonen Sunday since 1994, uh, with the chapters collected into 103 Tonkamon volumes as of April this year, 2023. Been an anime series since 1996 and produced by TMS Entertainment, who did, amongst many things, Rent a Girlfriend, Charlotte's favorite show, uh, Dr. Stone, and Megalobox. Yeah, yeah. And they've done much of, much, many, many old things, obviously. It's been around since the 90s. Over 270 million copies of the Tunkelbahn in circulation. Not even online publications or whatever. And that's sort of January this year. And that's the third, third highest selling manga of all time. It's about a kid called Jimmy Kudo, who's a high school detective who occasionally works with the police to solve crimes. He's a prodigy. Classic. During the investigation, he is ambushed by a member of a crime syndicate known as the Black Organization. In an attempt to murder the young detective, they give him a dangerous drug. However, instead of killing him, it shrinks his body to the size of an elementary school kid. 
Adopting the pseudonym Conan Edagawa and keeping his true identity a secret, Kudo lives with his childhood friend Rachel Moore and her father Richard, who is a private detective. Conan tags along on Richard's cases and helps solve them, as well as starting a junior detective league at school with some friends. Conan pursues the Black organization to bring them to justice and to get his body back. Now, that's a hell of a mystery to run since 1994. He hasn't found out yet. He hasn't figured it out. I didn't have no idea that he was shrunk. I thought he was just a, he's just a perpetual Bart Simpson kid. Like. Third highest selling monger of all time. We don't know damn shit about it. Yeah, Honestly, right. I'm more intrigued thing, now. Right? I know that there's like a honey, I shrunk the kid aspect yeah, to this. I'm in. Um, I'm, I'm invested. It's doing something right. Actually, it's just interesting. I'm trying to think back to a lot of animes and a lot of games I've played that are JRPGs, like all the Persona series feature yes. some kind of prodigy high school detective. And it seems to be a character trope where it's Big like, time. This cool, like, and they're like celebrities that go on TV. I'm like, who is this, like, this kid <laughs> detective? Like, and it happens every game. And I, it, I'm just like, it's like, um, weird. Does this actually, is this a thing in Japan? And a bunch of child detectives around? Like, I'm clearly. scared. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to get arrested by a child detective. <laughs> I, I don't even know. It's like when they do a Sherlock Holmes show or like a film and everyone in the street's like, oh, that's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> like, you're like, how do you know this? Like, <laughs> like, biggest celebrity in London is Sherlock Holmes. Oh. Some dude. Yeah. Smoking a pipe. Is he the most famous spy, Sherlock Holmes? Detective? Detective? <laughs> spy? <laughs> what are you talking about? And if you're the most famous spy, you're a failure. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, James, James Bond. Bond. <laughs> Come on. He did pretty well. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. <laughs> James Bond, James Bond. You're like, shut no, up. Dude, you're not supposed to tell people. It's clandestine, brother. Yeah, the most famous detective surely is Sherlock Holmes, right? No question. Detective Conan, or also Batman. famous. Well, or Batman. Is Batman a detective? Yes, technically. Yes. Absolutely he is. Oh, don't careful. The DC people are going to come for you. So Detective Conan is still technically kind of like, – there's always a little twist on it. It's always kind of a twist. It's rare before, to before. have like a pure one. I'd say the closest one is maybe Monster. But even then, that's still like oh, – it's a horror. But the detective's also not the lead character either. No, that's sort of like a – yeah. That's character. why I didn't. Do, element of it. That's why I didn't actually – I wouldn't call it a detective's show. No. I'd call it a horror show that has a detective thriller. in it. I sort of like Hannibal, you know, where you're like, yeah. there's yeah. a detective in it, but it's not the main aspect. No, it's a horror show, yeah. The show or yeah. the, the, the book or yeah. the yeah, movie. For sure. It's not yeah. following Will Graham, it's following Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. yeah. But Will Graham's also a psychologist or psychiatrist. Oh, Clarice, a psychologist. Clarice is a detective. Clarice in Sons of the Lambs. Yeah. Well, technically, we're following her in Sons of the Lambs. So I bet still, it's yeah. all about you get out of here, Clarice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boo. No, no, sorry. I love Jodie Foster. That's great Do you know there's a town? I think there's a town in Japan named after. Conan. Conan Edogawa, it's called. Yeah. yeah. It's just very interesting. And you're right, there's always a twist. It's often to do with sci-fi. So many of these to do with sci-fi or, or fantastical, which, you know. So the two shows that Charlie and I are going to talk about are both shows that we've actually talked about on the podcast before. But don't think we're lazy because maybe we are. It's been years. And honestly, this we need to thing. rehash. We're rehashing. We've gotten a little bit better over time or worse. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe go back and listen and then let us know which one we did better. <laughs> you were better before. Obviously, the two shows that we talked about were in literally our first like five episodes that we ever did. And frankly, didn't know what we were doing back then. So, I still don't know what we're doing. You know, no one knows what they're doing. Graham and anyone tells you otherwise a liar. I don't know. So, Batman is a detective. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing yeah, he knows, it's that. That's all I got. That's all I got. Did he start as a detective? Is he a detective? He started every... as an orphan. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's <laughs> didn't he train some? I don't really familiar on Batman. Yeah, he trained. He trained. And as he's a from detective. a rich, but he trained and then became his. Is he like a private detective? He's not like a. No, he's a official. private detective. Unless you're Adam West, who is a deputized a deputized officer of the law. Is he really? Yeah, in the Adam West TV show, they make a point of saying like 
I'm deputized by the police because he's a vigilante. Right. Wow. And it's children's TV, so. Of course. Right, right, right. Yeah. I know more about Adam West Batman than I do about Standalone Complex. I think that's <laughs> pretty <laughs> obvious. <laughs> we found Graham's true yeah. knowledge well. We're going to talk about these because I think we have a lot more to say about them now. And frankly, with the detective genre, these just make so much sense. Two of the more famous modern, modern-ish. I suppose they're not really that modern now, are they? No, they're not. Sean, like 20 years old at this point. The one I'm talking about is so... It's old. It's like retro these Mine's days. Mine's yeah. 10 years old too, as of this year. Fuck. Anyway, I'm going to talk about <laughs> Psycho Pass. And I'm going to talk about it for several reasons. One, because it's a great detective show. B, because it's a fucking great show, full stop. And C, because it was made by Production IG. <laughs> and it was made because they wanted to do something like Standalone Complex. So, two of the directors are... Both worked on Standalone Complex, but they also got Gin Urobuchi, who we have mentioned many times on this podcast, who is a rather extraordinary writer, who wrote Puella Madoka Magica and Fate Zero. Now, when he wrote Puella, the head of production IG literally went, this guy, we want this guy to work on this project. And he put them in touch with the two directors, and that is how this show was born. So yeah, yeah there you right. go. Yeah, literally, uh, literally wouldn't exist without some guy walking through complex. the corridors going, "You there, boy!" <laughs> <laughs> but also, none of these shows would exist without Blade Runner, which is their biggest, heaviest influence, and they wear it on their sleeve quite, quite heavily, as they should, because Blade Runner is amazing. So, Psycho Pass is a cyberpunk psychological thriller produced by Production IG and co-directed by Naoshi Shiotani and Kitsuyuki Motohiro, who were both worked on. As I mentioned before, standalone complex and the original movie. Japan is now under the control of the Sybil system, a seemingly all-powerful, omnipotent, biomechatronic computer network which endlessly measures the biometrics of the citizens' brains and mental states using cymatic scans. The resulting assessment is referred to as a psychopass, which includes a numeric crime coefficient index revealing the citizen's potential for criminality and a color-coded hue, alerting law enforcement to the improvement, clearing, or the decline, clouding of their psychopass. If a citizen's crime coefficient index raises above 100, they are pursued by the Crime Investigation Department of the Ministry of Welfare's Public Safety Bureau, split into two teams of inspectors and enforcers. So enforcers are latent criminals who are charged with protecting the detectives and doing the dirty work, enabling the detectives to maintain their clear hues. So in this world, not only does the civil system track people's potential to commit crimes, it also literally gives you jobs. It runs everything. So the people with the clearest hues become detectives. It's a very, very aspirational and admired job. So it's those who can see the most clearly and not become clouded by the horrible things that they see. The enforcers, on the other hand, as mentioned before, are latent criminals, those who are crims, but can get out there and actually like bust some skulls and shit without, they just like, oh, I kind of give them a free pass. Now, what's very interesting, though, is one of the lead characters that we follow is Kogami. And Kogami is an ex-detective. Kogami, while chasing a serial killer who murdered his partner, his hue becomes clouded, therefore making him a latent criminal, despite being a detective, so he gets busted down to an enforcer who is a second-class citizen but still is not in jail or in therapy, as a lot of these people get given. So what we do follow is Akane Sunomori, a rookie inspector within the Division One of the Ministry of Welfare, Public Safety Bureau, and Criminal Investigation Department, and she is on her first day on the job. Now, what's interesting about this is that where this show gets very interesting, like Standalone Complex, it is incredibly existential and really raises a lot of questions about what it is to be human. And, of course, if anyone's 
seen Minority Report, I'm sure a lot of bells have just been rung. But basically what's interesting is that, for example, the system is not perfect. In fact, it's far from it, despite proclaiming to be perfect. So in the first episode, they're sent out to see a serial, a guy who's basically trying to murder a woman, and they go after him, and all of the detectives and enforcers carry these weapons called the Dominators. And a Dominator is when you, like, it's a very futuristic-looking gun. You point it at someone, and it reads their psychopaths. It will then do one of three things. One, if someone's psychopath is too low, they will do nothing. Because it's like, well, they're fine. Don't worry about it. If they're starting to rise above 100 and getting problematic, it will stun them so they can be incapacitated. If it goes too far, it will destroy them in a really serious body horror kind of way. Now, what's interesting is that in this first episode, they chase down the killer. And Kane's chasing, but Kagame gets there first. And the killer gets killed because his crime coefficient's way, way high. But interesting enough, the victim is so traumatized that her crime coefficient goes up to the point where the dominator says she must be eliminated because she's so fucked by the horrifying experience that she has urged to kill. So Kagame just points the gun at her. He's like, well, gonna do what I gotta do. But then Sunimori points the gun at him and his crime isn't his crime coefficient isn't high enough to be killed, but is enough to be stunned, and she stuns him. That is what this whole show is all about. It is always asking these questions. And of course there are twists and turns and I'm not going to spoil them here because you should go watch this show. It is really, really good. There are three seasons. The first season is by far the best written by Gen Urobuchi. Second is also written by Gen Urobuchi. Unfortunately, nowhere near as good. I gave up in the second season. Yeah, I said a lot of people, I think. It's a big mess. Kind of I'm one of the few psychos who has kept up with Psychopaths. <laughs> Shoot that man. <laughs> My turn to be <laughs> fucking cringe. So I've kept up with it. Uh, the third an... season gets a lot better. It's not written by Gen Urobuchi anymore, but it is a little bit silly in that the two new lead characters are basically magic, um, but uh, it's still pretty cool. So there are a bunch of movies, uh, which gets a little bit confusing. There's like four of them. A fifth one about to come out, in fact, because the third series stopped and then was finished by a movie. It's been a very complex kind of messy run this show's had. But I still, on the whole, think it's really great. But that first season, the first season of Psychopaths is just so, so incredibly good. It could have easily stood alone. And I would kind of wish it... Stood I mean, alone complex? Oh, ho! We are just... Yeah, three pointers all night. Yeah, anyway. So we're all just hoping that it would hold that level all the way through. It hasn't, it has dipped. But at the same time, if you just watched that first season of Psychopaths, you will be so heavily rewarded because the characters are brilliant, the story is brilliant, the world is brilliant, it's quite terrifying, and also asks some really serious existential questions and philosophical questions. As I mentioned before, Makashima, one of my favorite characters of all time, especially as an antagonist. Yes, he disappears up his own ass a little bit, uh, quite a bit, uh, with his philosophy, you know, quoting Nagel and whatnot. And, you know, who doesn't want to quote some Nagel? But, like, at the same time... I was going to say, sure this isn't just you. Yeah, we talked about you. <laughs> like, was, you talking about devil as a part I, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was ten times cooler and uh, <laughs> trying to bring down the system from within, which we all should, but... Uh, <laughs> But we won't because we're fucking pathetic. But, um, oh you know, God. Oh, democracy you know, doesn't work. work. <laughs> the supporter said it once, he'll say it again. Democracy simply doesn't, doesn't work. work. <laughs> anyway, I love Psychopaths. You actually watched it before me. Yeah, and, put me and, I, yeah, and it's one of those ones I actually show a lot of people as gateways. Yes. Uh, bringing it back to, to the podcast. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> On the what? It's been a while <laughs> since we talked about any gateway out of there. But um, this one is yeah, a real. All three of these are. Is it? Yeah, this one is a real good one because and that's why we talked about it early on in the podcast because 
it's very minority report. It's sci-fi. It's really clear. It, um, there's a lot of, you know, talks about rehabilitation versus uh, what was the thing? Yeah. Restorative versus retributive justice. Yeah, because you've got people who, you know, experience trauma who then their hues get clouded and then they suddenly are the ones who get arrested because they're the ones that now have no, got, not got the sound mind. Uh, a lot of cool sci-fi in there, lots of like, um, I can pick my outfit based on a button, you know, like that kind of stuff, which is always a treat and good characters. Yeah. I, I cool design. It's just a cool show. It's really easy, easy sell, easy watch. Second season, I don't know about that, but the it's first season's edgy. easy to watch. No, it's great. And like Kagami's a great character. Sunimura is a great character. A lot of the detectives and forces are great characters. Makashima, as I mentioned before, such a good character, such a good villain antagonist. Because some parts of him, you're like, well, kind of right, dude. Like, which makes it, which is a good thing for an antagonist to have, as opposed to just mustache twirling and be like, Haha, people's pain is fun to me. You're like, yeah, great, dude, whatever. No one can relate to that. But like, at least with him, he's like, hey, this system's fucked. He goes about it the entirely wrong way, but, you know, the system is fucked and he wants to break that system. He just goes about it as horrendously as you could possibly imagine. But I just think it brings in a lot of different questions as well about sort of Confucian society, which obviously Japan is based in, most of Asia is based in Confucian ideology and, and philosophy. And of course the collective and the whole idea of this, and there's this wonderful scene. Well, it's not wonderful, it's horrible, but it's a brilliant scene without spoiling too much. A character can wear something on their head which stops them being scanned by the psychopaths. And he just goes and kills someone with a hammer in the middle of the street. And it's fucking horrendous. But it is a brilliant scene because everyone around them has not seen a violent crime for God knows how long. And just no one knows how to react. And it's like, it's so visceral. It's so brutal. It's, it's, it's horrible, but it's like, it's a brilliant piece of storytelling. And when it happens, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? There's so many moments like that where it really makes you question. I mean, no one's questioning that that's a good thing. It's obviously a horrible thing, but there are many questions about like free will versus determinism versus all sorts of, you know, does anyone really have a choice in what they're doing? How much control does the internet and the government have over us? What can we do? What 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 is actually given to us? Because again, everyone has their jobs planned out and like the AI exploding and whatnot and, you know, people being, you know, people are literally starting to have designer babies and whatnot, which is a whole thing. I'm not going to go into it now, but it's a whole fascinating thing. In the way that our world is going, you can start to see some of these dystopian ideas, obviously much less dramatically implemented than what's, you know, there's that great subreddit called... Um, boring dystopia oh, and it's so good it's perfect because it's like oh yeah it's nowhere near as cool as blade runner and psycho pass it's actually way more boring and mundane, fucking yeah. mundane and we're all just like sleepwalking through all this bullshit but that's what's fascinating to me so yeah i just think psycho pass is it's one of you know what it's in my top 10 season one is in my top 10 of all time yeah right yeah it's a really good one um and it is really it is it's so similar to minority report though oh dangerous it's minority report with cooler guns yeah and blade runner yeah. yeah, it's funny that both of the ones you guys talk about were futuristic, like, um, you know, cyberpunk. Because, I mean, it does lend itself. Neo-noir lends itself to that stuff so easily and to anime in particular, I think. This one is definitely not a sci-fi, but it is a fantasy. It's a yeah. fa I, mean, I, I said that and then I was like, of course it's a fantasy. Yes, yeah. it's a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Um, this one, if you haven't heard of it by now, I'm genuinely going to be shocked, even if you have never watched an anime in your life. You've probably heard of this one. It's a story of a guy 
that finds a notebook <laughs> and then sometimes he writes some names in the notebook and then people have heart attacks and die. And he also then decides that he may as well become a god of a new world. He's also a high school student. And, yeah, so this is the story of, of course, Light Yagami in Death Note. That's a very simplified version, but that's kind of that. That's is pretty plot. much it. There yeah, you go. On. Well, Shinigami is bored. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah. Shinigami is bored, yeah. throws his death note into the mortal realm. He has a, it's another death up. note from the king of the dead. Like, yeah, yeah, he throws it. Subtext. But, like, you know what? <laughs> we don't know that at the start. We just know that he's yeah. a kid and he finds a notebook. Yeah. And he's off. He's over the world. The opening scene is the death god throwing <laughs> 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 literally a death note into the world yeah. because he's bored. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Such Sorry. research. Uh, um, I've watched that show so many yeah. times. You can't remember and the in my head fucking started, scene? In my head, it just started with the news program and light being off it and then the seeing the notebook drop out of the window. That's in my head, but maybe I just think it would have been cooler if it was like that and they should remake it with that scene Just first. that opening. That's my one note. That's your one note. Also, I probably was fucking watching because I had to. We did a live action movie episode and I'm Oof. honestly traumatised from it because I watched the <laughs> Netflix Death Note live action movie <laughs> and it was actually the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so it's, I, it's criminal. They should all be in jail. But you know people. what's good? <laughs> you know what's good? Is the Death Note musical. And I'm not even kidding. So there's a Death Note musical that's actually about to be put on in London. In London? Um, what? Yeah, yeah. So basically, so hear me out. This is actually crazy. The Buy Death tickets now. In the yeah. West End? <laughs> like just, it's actually, they, they're only doing like a concert version. So they have, there's a, um, basically, it's actually an American musical that someone's written Based on the manga. Death oh Note. god, it's not based on the Netflix. Um, <laughs> no, 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 it's based on the manga. And so the couple of things have changed in it. But um, it's an American musical that has actually been produced in Japan, but they translated the English lyrics to Japanese. So they've they've done a full professional production in Japan, um, and they did a concept album. It was meant to open on Broadway, and then someone pulled the financing. But there's a cult following behind this concept album. It's got this really famous musical theatre performer as Light Yagami is. Um, Jeremy uh, Jordan is his name. Oh, super famous musical yeah, yeah, performer. Yeah. Very good playing light. Um, it's a banger. I um, I've been playing one of the songs on repeat around my house. I'm like, what about the future? And then da, 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 da. I think light is a bit more. Um, apparently, his like motivations are a little less. Uh, like I'm the god of the world and more kind of like. God, this I, sounds amazing. Yeah. Sorry. But apparently, it's this. really good. I want to see lie. the. Deaf guys doing like the can can across the stage. Oh, <laughs> apparently, it goes off. Like, I, yeah, apparently, it's really, really good. So, a lot of, um, and the interesting thing about this is, as we've mentioned many times before, our most successful anime and manga have Japanese musicals, have that's stage true. shows. So, yes, I've seen true. the Naruto one, which I had the best time ever <laughs> watching the Shippuden musical. And I, I was living for it. It was actually quite astounding. Thank you. Um, and they're like those ones, this is different because it actually is was meant to open on Broadway. So it has West, it's like it's, one of the things where like, not to say the other ones aren't legit, but in terms of like musical theater prestige, it was like up there, which is very weird. Anyway, so I love that now it's getting a run in London and I it's amazing. can't wait to see the footage of that. Transnationalism, cultural diaspora, which I'm yeah. all about. That's fucking sick. Yeah. Anyway, so that's happened. Uh, and back to the show. I don't know. This, this so is, this is, is the, the show. What is the detective part coming, Charlie? Well, How do you want to tie this we in? Go. So I was going to say, do you consider Death Note a detective show? Yes. Okay. Yes, same. But the thing is that yes, because it's like a cat and mouse chase yeah. thing. One of the lead characters, he so this teenager who finds a notebook after the death How god does a was born. Work? <laughs> the notebook is if you write the name of someone, you have to know their face and their name. And if you write it in the notebook, they die 
Um, if you, you can specify a time and a date, if you just don't specify how they die, they die within how long is it? 40 seconds. Uh, 40 seconds, 40 of, a seconds of a heart attack. That is the general premise. Uh, basically, he starts thinking that he can just kill off all the criminals. So this kid's decided that there's too much evil in the world and honestly he's just sick of how lax uh, the justice system is. He thinks he can take it in his own hands. Uh, this kid is also not your everyday kid, unlike the – Netflix Death Note one where there's made it some rando kid and I was like you've got to have someone who's like particularly impressively smart like yeah. and they not exactly. once showed that kid being smart I was He's like a child prodigy what? Like... child prodigy number one student in Japan his father is the head of the police bureau in Tokyo so he's got connections to the like you know the justice system and he thinks that it is too lenient so he decides that he is going to take his own hands and effectively cleanse the world of evil inherently making himself a god of the new world. And his nickname that he's given himself is Kira, which is uh, a derivation of the word killer. But, um, yeah, so Kira is Light's uh, alter ego. He draws the attention because he thinks he's not going to get caught because they're dying of heart attacks, you know. In this world, um, although they're a Shinigami, it's not known to the people in the world that this is. That's the most supernatural part of it. No one knows they exist. Yes. So after he's done all this, basically someone cottons on, people start cottoning on that, they assume that it's like a higher power, like a god or something. But this uh, very, very high up, very elusive, very um, smart, uh, calculative detective gets onto the case and realises that something must be amiss and that it must be a person that is doing this. And so starts Death Note's entire storyline, which is the detective's name is L, who uses just a symbol of L and no one knows their face, so therefore they actually can't be killed by Kira at the start anyway. They don't know that though. There's a really cool sequence how they figure that all out. Anyway, it's great fun. The show is classic. It's 2000s. It's a classic. It's an emo just dream. The the Shinigamis look like and like the angsty music. Light's haircut is like, you know, it's everything about it is just like beautiful 2000s emo aesthetic and it's great. And it's a classic show for a reason because it's actually – Really good. And my, one of my favourite characters is L, the detective. He's like, you're, I think out of all the detectives we've talked about, he's the most like similar to like Sherlock Holmes in a way where he's like eccentric detective, eccentric, genius yeah. eccentric detective, which is an absolute stereotype that you have in so many things. You know, you've got, uh, I'm trying to think of who's like Monk, you know, like those characters. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Monk? Yes, Tony Shalhoub and Monk. I was expecting Monk. Yeah, that, was, that is exactly <laughs> correct. You're not wrong, but what the uh, fuck? <laughs> That is the, the best example. Benedict Cumberbatch's yeah. version of Monk, Sherlock. Yeah. Like, yeah. Monk, no, Tony Shalhoub and Monk. Monk. Absolutely. Welcome um, to Gateway to Monk. So, yeah. <laughs> Tony so, Shalhoub's Monk. Shalhoub's seminal Tony classic Shalhoub. of the mid-2000s <laughs> alongside Death Note. Yeah. Look, I would say that most of those, um, you know, genius detective characters are neurodivergent coded. No yeah. question. Like uh, that is Vincent uh, Dionofrio in, in Criminal Intent, Law and yeah, Order. We're that's back on Law and Order a again. very character trope thing as well. And so is L. L is quite possibly, oh no, it's not even a question. He is in my top three anime characters of all time. It's not even close. He's great. He's such a wonderful character. And Light Yagami and him, what this show is, it's definitely a cat and mouse game as you mentioned before, but it's very much a nemesis conflict. That's the cornerstone of this whole show. Now it also brings up very existential questions about, you know, it's the great debate between Jean-Paul Sartre and Albert Camus which comes back to the famous French existentialist post-World War II. They had a, one, a 
huge debate where they actually fell out, where they were writing letters back and forth to each other. And the classic question is like, is it okay to kill a thousand people for a million people to live? Right? That's a classic uh, philosophical premise, right? And Sartre was like, fucking yes, of course it is. It's logical. Why would you not like, who gives a fuck? A thousand people, a million people live? Yeah, it's maths. Simple. Do it. Whereas Camus was like, no, 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 you can't. If, as soon as you do that, you commit philosophical death. Therefore, if you are choosing people's lives, it shouldn't be within humans' realms of possibility to choose who lives and who dies. The second we make those choices, then we are not human anymore. So this is exactly what this show explores. And it is because I know a lot of people who've watched Death Note who are big light stands, who are just like, I mean, look, for me, light loses his way when he starts doing, he's, he, you know, he starts off with like noble intent. Again, yeah. it depends on where you want to look at. Like, is killing anybody okay? That's the bigger question. But if you're like, well, he kills bad people, but who gets to decide who's bad and who's good, etc. These are the moral quandaries that this show keeps bringing up all the time. But at the end of the day, without spoiling too much, he starts killing people coming after him, right? Because, you know, so he's a kid, he's a teenager. So once he starts doing that, he does lose his moral superiority. And L happens to sit on a very high moral standpoint. And it is a battle of philosophies. In fact, it's very much Camus versus Sartre in many, many ways. And I just think it's such a good show. And yes, again, a bit like Psychopaths, a bit like Ghost in the Shell, a bit like a lot of anime. It's very earnest. Therefore, yes, sometimes it does disappear up its own ass a little bit. But at the same time, I kind of love a bit of earnestness. And Death Note is full of it. And I love it for it. You know, it's so on the nose. I'm not even surprised well that you love earnestness. You're like, that's like the oh, least surprising the thing that but sometimes. Ever, you've ever said. Uh, no, I, I love Death Note because <laughs> I love the cat mousing. I, I also just love how over the top it is and how it's unashamedly anime. Oh, and there's some just like. You want to see some great writing in a notebook animation. Like oh, the and most the, dramatic so it looks great too. Ever. The soundtrack. Yeah. It takes the potato chip and eats it. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> Honestly, it's so good. Um, so for those, that's, if you haven't watched it, that is a deep cut. You but, need to, uh, you you need watch to watch it. The potato that. chip scene is iconic. But yeah, I think so there's <laughs> one scene where you, you light becomes kind of irredeemable. Yes. I mean, he was already irredeemable because I hate when people think that they're better than everyone. That's what I can't stand. I'm like, you think this kid? Think you're fucking better than everyone? Like, yeah, privileged yeah. little shit? Like, who are you killing? <laughs> like, you know, like, who do you even know? Like, how? Like, anyway, whatever. Like, people, yeah. anyway. Sorry, that's just my, I would give him a slap. No, I wouldn't. I'm going to get arrested because he's a child. You slap a child. He's also slap. the greatest murderer humanity's ever seen. You probably get away with get slapping. Get a slap. Get a yeah. slap in. <laughs> you probably, you probably I'll get wait until the time, the time skip, then I'll slap it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. And it's an issue where you have people that are told that they're the best all their life, which he yes, is. And yes. anyway. The elitist. Yeah. It's um, very, again, but it's a classic thing of like, the elite get to choose the yeah. fate of humanity yeah. and they get to choose what is right and wrong. And when you get people who get to manipulate legal systems and whatnot, and he sits there going, oh, all the bad people are getting away with it. It's like, yeah, but the rich get to manipulate a legal system to their to their whims all the goddamn time. You see Donald Trump do it all the time. You see none of the, you see Clive Palmer in Australia doing it right now, suing Australia for, you know, it's, it's ludicrous. And, while in many ways you can see where light's coming from. This is the good thing about it is that like it's not black and white. What's great about this show is that there are shades of grey and you do sometimes cross in between L. L is still very dogmatic in his belief structure, which is his weakness. But this is what's cool about the show. And it's just, it's actually very smart. It's a very smart oh, show. It is smart. I, I think um, my favourite moment i'm just gonna say it but if you don't want to be spoiled maybe skip a minute ahead I, I feel like if you haven't watched death note by now just just do it and then come back and listen to yeah. this episode because it's just one of those classics or read it the manga's great as well different ending yes. interesting i also mentioned enough fourth episode so like come on yeah basically l has narrowed it down that he knows that 
Kira is in Japan. He knows that they must be connected to the FBI. What are they called? The whatever the Japanese police is called, the federal police. Um, so he's narrowed it down. He's got some FBI agents tailing certain people. So Light is being tailed by one of them. And it is that interaction with not so much the FBI agent, which he does, which he does things which are not great with, Ray but Pimba. it's it's Ray, Ray Pemba's fiance, yeah. yeah, and yeah, that yeah. sequence. <laughs> yep. And what I love yep. the most is that she figured it all out. She, she was like smarter six? than everyone, Even basically yeah. knew it, and like went and it just there's just a moment where oh, it's so good where he's dealing with her when they're walking to the um, she's going to basically report what she she's figured out <laughs> and. Hell, yeah. and it's just, it's so good. Oh, it's such and it's a so good, awful. Iconic. It's a really great episode where they're like spending a lot of time just walking and he's trying to catch her out because uh, he, you know, and he thinks that he's he, he's actually panicking for the first time because he yeah, she's thinks he's just got everything under control. And then he's realized that he's not the smartest. He's, he needs to, like, yeah. Anyway, he does eventually, unfortunately, does get her. And it's like, it's awful. What's well, it's, it's a brilliant moment. It's a brilliant moment. And also, my favorite bit is also. When you watch Death Note, watch the first two episodes, sort of that older style of anime when basically pilots used to run over two episodes. There's a, a big thing in the early 2000s, mid-2000s anime where the pilot very much ran over two episodes. And this one does that as well because, again, it's like Light thinks he's got everything sorted and then, of course, L, which we've already spoken about, figures it out in a very dramatic fashion. And it's really well executed. And, again, very over the top, very, very on the nose. But it is a wonderful show. And I just think... This is what Japan does with detective shows. It's different, right? It is cerebral. And don't get me wrong, this you know, Science of the Lambs, extraordinarily cerebral, like uh, Red Dragon, all that sort of... Uh, there's you know, so many Western movies and shows where we get dive deep into the psychological cat and mouse game between detective and serial killer and whatnot. There's countless of them. But Japan always takes them that little bit either sci-fi or fantastical or fantasy style. Fantastical. So... I just think it's really interesting. Even Detective Conan, like even though yes, there's a drug which turns into a kid, that's that's sort of fantasy in, in many ways. Just but it's like still blown away by that. Yeah, yeah. I, know, right? I another thing that like the anime just gets to do is like quite literal things, like you know, like with Ellen Light playing a tennis match, you know, <laughs> oh, like, that's so good. Classic, like just that kind of thing, or like you know, often you'll play things where there's like often you'll see things where there's like a chessboard will come up and someone's like, like they do like very literal kind of yeah. and it's, it's really fun i think it's just a medium that can really lean into that detective work like i think things like sherlock have done it with mind palaces and that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah like it's sort of hannibal does it a bit yeah the psychological side there's so many of these like, a big one for me is a show called id invaded i'm not going to dive too deep into it but basically again very futuristic very cyberpunk uh where basically people dive into mem like Certain people get the ability, very much Inception kind of or source code kind of vibes where people get to dive into memory wells. When they get into the wells, their memory wipes and they're basically in a serial killer's mind or a victim's mind. And it's all very subconsciously, it's all very stylistic, kind of Inception-y, as I mentioned. Sort of things that you're not quite sure what's going on and the detective has to go and piece, but they, they wake up knowing that they're a detective, but nothing else, and they have to piece everything together and it's very complex very interesting but it's also like psycho pass is an anime original only one season and i loved it also kentaro suda one of my favorite voice actors of all probably the best voice actor in japan he voices uh, the lead character and 
also the lead character, a little bit like Kogami in Psycho Pass, has a dark past. Things have gone wrong for him and he's ended up in the place that he's in. I won't spoil too much, but ID Invaded, very, very cool. Very Inception, very source code, very cerebral, but sci-fi. Excellent show. Another great one. No Guns Life I mentioned before. Gun for a head. I mean, what else is there? There's also a lot of like comedy, sillier, uh, like billionaires, Detectives Club and like <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing right. or even, you know, just like shows that are kind of on the more fun side. Another fantasy one is Bungo Stray Dogs, which is about a detective agency, but they all have supernatural abilities. So, literary abilities. Yeah, they're based on famous literary characters, but, you know, one guy turns into a white tiger. Like there's a bunch of stuff there. There's this really great show that we should have mentioned about a detective that has a butt for a face. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but detective, the called classic. But detective, and I'm honestly just going to read out the synopsis because I've never watched it. But do when it. I was looking up um, animes to do detective, on I just Charlotte the pitched this pretty hard, and I up. had to really put my foot down. That's a dangerous like, Google as well, isn't well, it? Well, but, well, but well, detective, it's <laughs> a dangerous Google. It's such a simple. Beautiful synopsis is um, a polite and meticulous super sleuth known as the butt detective solves a myriad of baffling mysteries, blowing raspberries in the face of crime. (laughs) 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 Great. Apparently you can watch that on Netflix. So I don't know. Anyway, butt detective, that just like one of the first things came up and I went, of course. Like I was like, anime was a bad idea once again. But um, by all accounts, it looks somewhat wholesome. I don't know. Who knows? If anyone can do it, it's crimes. It's a butt for no, gun for a head and a boat. butt for a head. I mean, come on, man. You know, someone had to do it. They say there's no originality in the media anymore. You, you aren't watching enough anime, people. Butt detective. Uh, butt detective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so any, many different ones. Moriarty the Patriot. Moriarty the Patriot, of course. Also by production IG. Yeah, yeah. 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 That is literally Sherlock Holmes. Literally Sherlock Holmes, but yeah. through anime. Look, I thought it was fine. It, it was, was fine. Great. It was all right. I mean, the manga's really good. We talked mostly about detectives, but obviously crime. Um, we got do like a separate super, episode on that, I think. Yeah, because yeah. we can talk about Lupin the Third. 91 like, Days. Um, you know, The Great uh, Pretender. Great all pretender. of those kind of like crime ones where you follow people doing the crimes and then the detectives are like, oh, boy. Akadama Driver. Akadama Drive. Akadaka Driver. Akadaka Drive. Akadaka Drive. The highway to hell. Just ACDC. Who's your favorite anime detective? L. Come on. Yeah, it's probably L. Oh, butt detectives up there. <laughs> so look, this is a very dense topic. So much to talk about. And again, we retreaded some old ground because we felt we needed to. But also, like, once again, I guess it's sort of that thing is like we are called Gateway to Anime. And like all three of these are absolutely killer gateways to anime. Now, even if you're past that stage and you've been with us on the journey, like the detective genre, I just find it so fascinating and it's just so much of it in so many different ways. So that is our detective anime episode. Thank you so much for listening. We always appreciate it. Now, you can find us on www.gatewaynanime.com. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You're probably watching us on YouTube. Hopefully you are. Otherwise, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like what we do, you can join our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash gatewayanime. We're obviously a small operation. But we're trying to work hard to get the best content we can out to you. And if you want to help us out, do so. But if you don't want to do that, and again, it's a whole commitment, you can always buy a shirt. You can buy a shirt through our Instagram shop or through our website. And that is $35. 
None of us are wearing them right now. Great up, great. It's really cold in here. It's cold. It is really cold. We don't we're have jumpers, jumpers yet. We'll we're get them one day. We'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get hoodies next when we sell out of the shirts. But again, all these little things are going to help us. So thank you so much. Follow us on social media. Hit us up with your favorite detective shows. We'd love to hear about them. We'd love to talk. We've always talked to you guys on Instagram and, and TikTok and whatnot. So hit us up. Thanks again, Charlie and Graham. Always a pleasure. Always. Detectives, let's go get sleuthing. We'll see you soon.